Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople, we have a special treat for you. I've actually got a surprise guest host today, Kyle Porter, the CEO of SalesLoft. Kyle, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Jeremy. Our guest of the day is none other than Henry Shuck. Henry, if you have not heard his name, is the CEO of Discover Org and ZoomInfo. We are very happy clients of both sides of that. Glad that you're putting them together. And they provide data that B2B sellers and marketers use to go to market. So without further ado, Kyle, I'm going to hand it over to you. Well, Jeremy, longtime listener, so it's exciting for me to have a part of this podcast. Henry, how are you, man? Good to talk to you. I'm doing good. How are you, Kyle? Wonderful. Well, in true honor of a Jeremy Donovan Hey Salespeople podcast, we like to kick things off by asking you an icebreaker question. What is your favorite business or sales book? I'm going to give you two, Kyle. My favorite business book is The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. When you're starting a company, it's kind of geared at CEOs or early founders or early employees in companies. But when you're starting a company, especially if it's your first time, you start to believe that everything you're going through, mainly like the negative things you're going through, are unique to like the crappy job you're doing as CEO. And when you read a book like The Hard Thing About Hard Things, you just realize these are not unique issues or problems. Everyone, as they start and grow businesses, having these same issues. It's just your job to fix them. It's one of the best books I've read. We're all equally crappy CEOs, right? <laughs> yeah, at some point, yes, we are. And then the other book is Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, which isn't particularly a sales book, but I think what it does is it teaches you that you can use data to solve problems and underlying sort of any scenario that's happening in the world or business, you can find data that gives you answers to it and helps you solve it or change it. And I think that's an important lesson to learn. Well, and it ties in a little bit to our topic for today, which is scaling sales organizations. And I'm excited to hear your take on that. Henry, talk to me about why that's important to you and why that's something that's on your mind right now. Scaling of a sales organization. And that, for me, that means anything, any scale, from having one person to going to five people and taking five people to 20 and 20 on is a critical motion that I think every company would like to accomplish. I think what ends up happening is as companies look to make those steps and to grow the business, they kind of forget that, or they don't realize that everything that you do as a salesperson when you're one, when there's a sales department of one, has to be translated into systems and processes that five people can do. And then once you sort of see what five people are doing, which is going to be different than one person, all of those things need to be translated into systems and processes that 20 people can do. Mm -hmm. And then on and on and on. And I think that kind of what happens is you lose track of the individual components of a sale. And you just think, okay, I've got this account executive, he sells. But you can break down what an SDR does, what an AE does, what they interact with, what tools they use into individual components and make sure each of those components are optimized and then that there's process around it. I'll give you an example of how this manifested at Discover Org. Perfect. And also, I'd love to hear the different stages that you've gone through. If you think like, you know, one to 10 reps was stage one and then, you know, how you define those stages throughout your journey. Well, when we first got a CFO, I think at that time we had about 10 sales reps. 
account executives and about four SDRs. You knew sort of how people were selling, but it kind of just magically came together at the end of each month. And so you didn't, I didn't have any real visibility into what was driving the end outcome. I hired these sales guys. I trained each one of them individually. I generated leads for them. They got the leads. And then magically at the end of the month, they closed a bunch of business. That's sort of the way I thought about it. And I'm sure a bunch of listeners with 10 sales reps kind of feel the same way. You hired them well, you trained them well, and they're making magic for you. Well, and you were probably involved in a lot of those deals as well. I was. I was. I was still involved in a lot of those deals. I understood what people were looking at. I was constantly training the team on questions that were being asked and how to get better at those things. So I still had like a pretty close pulse on the actual doing, but not in like how it got, not particularly the steps in how it got done. And so our CFO came in and he said, look, Henry, it's not magic. It's not magic that this is happening every month. There's actually a rhythm to this business that we should all be focused on. And it all starts with your SDRs or marketing. And so the first thing we look at is how many leads are you creating every week, whether that be from an SDR outbound or a marketing generated inbound. And if we're looking at marketing generated inbound, by the way, how many of those are we converting into actual demos? Because there's a place that we can optimize in the future. And if we're talking about SDR outbound, how many appointments are each of your SDRs creating every day, week, month? What are the goals there? And then let's look at how both of those inputs translate to demos. And then let's look at how those demos translate to opportunities. And then let's look at how those opportunities translate into closed one or closed lost business. You're creating the sales formula. You're just creating the sales formula. Then we can start figuring out where we can optimize because there are all sorts of points along that journey that are going to be under-optimized where either training or systems or process can be dialed in to make each phase more effective. Every single time we run forecast out in the future, the biggest one that I see that just has so much opportunity to improve is ramp time. Like you change that ramp time and everything changes. Yep. Ramp time is a really interesting one. We didn't even know what ramp time was for us. It's like, well, we put them in and then at some point they're generating new business for us. The place that we first started focusing was around the conversion rate of inbound leads. Mm -hmm. And what we found was, and here's where scale broke for us. We had four SDRs who sat in a room together and we sat them in a room together because of this problem. A lead would come in inbound. Someone would fill out a form on the website and then an email would generate to all four of the reps. And in the room, they'd go, I got it. And whoever got it first. Whoever hits the Jeopardy buzzer first. Yeah. And would call and would call that person back. There was no flow after that. So once I called and I sent an email, I had to kind of manage the follow-up myself. And so I didn't put it into a sequence or I didn't, I had my own sort of set of rules for how I followed up with that person. And then by the way, I'm also doing outbound too. And so you saw sort of over time, our conversion rates were mediocre at best. And so the first thing we did, once you sort of have that data, you go, well, I think I can move this conversion rate from 15% to 20%. And if I can move it to 20%, I bet I can move it to 30%. 
And now I'm getting twice as much out of the leads that I'm generating as I was before I optimized that channel. Time to now go look at another dial. And then now go look at another dial. Exactly. And monitor that one and make sure that the check engine light doesn't come on over time. Yep. Set a rule that tells you if this falters sort of 5% or more, I need to know. And I need to go look at that again. I mean, I think that is the trick to scaling a business is that you need metrics to monitor everything. You really can't fix something that you don't have data on. And once you have data on it, everything is optimizable. All of it. Like you said, Kyle, like you can start optimizing the next thing. And so the next thing there is, if I set a demo, how many of them actually show up and complete a demo? Well, it turns out if we set a demo within 24 hours of the lead inbounding or us connecting outbound, those show up like 90% of the time. If I set it five days out, those show up like 12% of the time. Don't even bother setting it. They almost never show up. And so, okay, there's a dial we can go optimize. We're going to go back out to all of our SDRs, inbound and outbound, and we're going to tell them, do not set appointments five days out. And now we're tracking this. And so we're going to know how many appointments you're sending five days out. They're useless for you. They're useless for us. And they're wasting our money because we're spending a ton of money getting these leads to come in inbound. Then you're setting them five days out and they don't show. And so then there's an enablement piece, right? Let's teach them how to set the demo same day. Let's give them a system so they can see which account executives are available right then and there so they can hot transfer over to the account executives. So you're taking like the next step down that funnel and then optimizing that. Do you have any other tips outside of the length of days in order to make sure that they show up? That for us has been the most indicative of demo to demo complete. Have you seen anything else? Well, I was going to ask if your people are getting their cell phone numbers and texting them before to remind them to jump on or sending email reminders or any of those sorts of things. Yes, they totally are. They are texting and emailing before the meeting. Yeah, we've done the same and seen great lift. Yep. That actually is a huge motion in our sales team. The calendar management function is one of those that can really be optimized because you know, in kind of a non-automated way, there's so many clicks and so much time spent to get all that set up. But Nowadays, with the new technology on the market, you can really streamline a lot of that effort. Yeah, absolutely. And once they have that visibility, once I know in real time when my account executives are available to take a demo, I can start setting those much earlier. Now, I guess one of the things that you should remember along the way is it's going to break. This is not a set it and forget it type exercise. You're going to set it and then it's going to break. Something's going to happen where, you know, reps decide they're going to handle something. This is actually a great example. Today, we're about 100 SDRs and about another 100 net new business reps, and then about another 100 account managers. So the systems are pretty dialed in across the organization. And when we made the acquisition of Zoom Info in February, we all kind of shifted our attention to the Zoom Info side. We had to go understand the business and what the rhythms were there and what was working and what wasn't working. And when we did that, all the setup on the DiscoverWorks side broke down. Not all of it, but enough of it that it caused a revenue issue in April and May. What happened was when we were gone focusing on Zoom Info, a bunch of the senior SDRs decided they should be the ones 
who picked which accounts to call into, the ones who decided which people to contact. They didn't need to be fed the people to contact from Discover Org and Zoom Info and from our inbound leads. They were just going to pick. They understood it better. And then it broke. We didn't set as many meetings. Those meetings didn't convert. They were like, hey, we're going to set higher quality meetings than we did before because we're going to be able to pick and choose who we're going to call and how we're going to prospect them. That didn't work. And so we had to go back in April once we started seeing the numbers come through and go, no, 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 no. I don't know why we changed this piece, but we got to go back to the way we were driving inbound and outbound efforts and start fixing that again. The point there is it doesn't matter how big and sophisticated and how much scale you get, or frankly, how small and how little scale you have, the systems and the processes that you're going to build will break. And you need metrics to be able to tell you when they are breaking and where they are breaking. The image that I have in my head is, you know, you've got this almost like a network operations command center and you've got all these metrics and they're lit up and they're tied to the formula. You've got everything plugged in. And if something starts to go off, yellow light pops up, red light pops up, and that's the science side of scaling sales. But now you see that problem and there's an opportunity for you to be creative and come up with the solution and work around the challenges, and implement those, right? Yep. And then test to see if it's working. And so it's almost this back and forth balance between measuring, analyzing, monitoring, and then solving problems, right? And the solving problems part is so exciting because you get to try new things, you get to explore, you get to go out and see what other people are doing or what best practices are or implement new technologies or new, new processes for the team. Talk a little bit about the people. Obviously, this is the most important element of your entire business, especially as it relates to scaling the sales org, right? Yep. What are some of the lessons you've learned in scaling the people inside the organization? And then maybe what are some of the mistakes you've made or, or, or hard lessons you've learned, maybe the hard things about the hard things with people? Yeah, so we went through, and I'm sure, Kyle, you went through this too, and, and anybody who built a sales team for the first time, when we're a small business, we were hiring new sales reps. We knew we had this large opportunity in front of us, and we needed sales reps to bring in new business. And what ended up happening was no matter what we did, we would go out, we'd hire five people. We would be lucky if one or two of them was still with us three months later. And it became this like horrible cycle where we kept hiring people and then they weren't working out an awful leaky bucket. And you were spending all this time and energy coaching these people and training them. And then for whatever reason, and we didn't have a good grasp of it, they weren't working out. Mark Roberge, who used to be the CRO of HubSpot, wrote a book called The Sales Acceleration Formula. And one of the things he recommended was sit down with their sales team and on a piece of paper or on a whiteboard, write out all of the criteria that you think makes for a good sales rep. Coachability, work ethic, knowledge of the industry, you know, all the different aptitude. Write those all down and get everybody talking about them. And then use that as a ranking sheet for new reps who came in. And so we did. We actually went backwards. Let's talk about the people who didn't make it here. And let's write down the reasons they didn't make it. And so, okay, this guy, he just didn't have the work ethic. This person just never understood our industry. This person just wasn't coachable. No matter what we told him, he could never sort of change his pitch or really be coachable. And so we went through that exercise. And so then we had a pretty good matrix. We started weighting those, which ones are most important, which ones are least important. And we started using that. 
So we said, okay, when someone comes into an interview and they're going to interview with four people, everybody write down your scores across all of these criteria that we think make for a good sales rep. And then we'll make a decision after that about whether they'll make it here or not. So we did that. It kind of worked like it got us a little bit better. And then what we ended up doing was we gave all of our sales reps who at that point, like the only sales reps we had were the ones who were really successful. We gave them all an aptitude test called the Omnia. Turns out that they were all really cognitively smart. Here is one factor that we know for sure all of our best sales reps have. And so let's make that a very important factor in our decision-making about who we're going to place here. And part of that, I think, is that especially when you're a small company and you're growing fast, you don't really have a lot of time to build really in-depth enablement and training. People have to kind of learn by what's there and they have to learn quickly. And if they don't, they fall behind, they get frustrated, and then ultimately they, they don't make it. And so this criteria and this test that we gave people completely changed our ability to retain sales reps, especially at an early stage where we hadn't built up the functions to kind of make everybody successful. And so we use the Omnia test. And then we also use the matrix that we built five years ago. And we rank people on, you know, cultural fit and work ethic. And those two things have completely changed our retention metrics. Yeah, I love it. I mean, the whole philosophy there is that your organization is different than my organization is different than Google and Slack and LinkedIn and all these other companies out there that have sellers on the street, you know, because your product's unique the life cycle of where you are in the stage of adoption is unique. And that sales process is going to be different from company to company to company. And so someone that's a great hire for one organization might not be the great one for you. And so when you design those things that really targets and identifies what makes a great seller for your organization, you can then repeat them if you've set them up in a systematic way. Curious, what's your philosophy on promote from within or hire outside? We've promoted from within almost all the way up our ranks. Although what I will tell you is we've also made a couple acquisitions. We acquired a company called Ranking two years ago, obviously Zoom Info. And so we've also inherited talent. I don't know how you count that in or out, but we've inherited talent in specific areas. Now today we are building an enterprise sales function, which we historically haven't had. There's a whole bunch we don't know about enterprise sales. It'll take a lot longer and be somewhat foolish to go try to figure out enterprise sales on our own and spend three years figuring that out when we can fast track that by bringing in somebody who has five, 10 years of experience doing enterprise sales. I know personally, I had very little enterprise sales experience coming into founding SalesLoft. And I know you founded the company while you were in law school, so I, I don't know how much experience you had doing it. But that's been one of the things where bringing on leadership yep. that has been in the world of enterprise sales with the wisdom, experience, recall, and knowledge, that's been a game changer for us and for me. And it's really opened my eyes to the differences of what it means to sell upstream, You know, where you're checking the boxes of legal, IT, finance, security, line of business. You know, there's so many different things you have to do when you're selling in the enterprise motion. And so, you know, for us, I think it's been awesome to promote from within, from SDRs to our AEs, 
particularly in the commercial markets. But we found that some of the external hires in the enterprise have been wildly successful. Now, another one I'm curious about, have you had the benefit that since your SDRs are using your product, they become really good sellers as well? They do. So there is a very clear path from SDR to account executive. And so you start off as an inbound SDR. So you handle anything that comes inbound. And then you actually promote to what's called a SWAT SDR. And SWAT SDRs are calling people who've engaged on our website, downloaded something, gone around the website, but haven't actually filled out a form asking to be called, but they have a certain level of engagement that feeds that group. Once you come out of SWAT, you become an outbound SDR. And the outbound SDRs are calling just you know purely cold leads that fit sort of an ideal customer profile from a company and a person perspective. So they're calling there. And then you actually promote from an outbound SDR to a gold SDR, who you basically are an outbound SDR, but you have a little bit more freedom and flexibility with what you go after. So you've been here you know, nine months or a year, and now you kind of have a good feel for what works and what doesn't. And we give you a, a lot more flexibility and freedom in your ability to go after outbound leads. And then you promote out of there into an AE, a commercial AE. Those commercial AEs are working sort of our smallest customers. And so if you're a sub 25 employee company and we set an appointment with you, you go to the commercial AE team. And then you can promote out of commercial AE to strategic AE and you're working the larger accounts. So as a CEO, I have been spending a lot of time looking at how executives assist their sellers to bring in business and serve their customers. And I found a lot of opportunities for executives to get more involved, but do it in a way that's streamlined and effective. I'm curious from your end, how do you get involved in sales today? And I know you got a big organization, you're making acquisitions, you're growing at massive scale, knocking on that potential IPO door down the road, but how do you keep your head in the sales game? So let me answer this. And then let me also say that you do the best job at this. So the audience would miss out if they don't hear how you do this. So I'll tell you how I do it. Three days a month, I make myself available for the entire afternoon to do anything for sales. You want me to call a prospect? You want me to email a prospect? You want me to look at a deal with you? Three days a month, half of my schedule is completely wiped out and I'm just there to, to help sales reps. I love that. So I have a Slack channel that's called Henry's Deal Desk. You can request things through there and I'll do whatever. You want me to call the smallest customer we have or you want me to call the biggest customer we have, I'll do whatever you got. the sales team wants me to do. I love that. That's super valuable, especially at the end of periods where you're coming down, you know, where you've got kind of paperwork moving back and forth. And sometimes that customer just wants to know that you're involved yep. and that you're not in the ivory tower trying to run this business. You're down boots on the ground to serve those customers. I think companies like to hear that from the CEOs of the businesses they're buying from. We do things here that have been really, really cool. One of the ones I love is I'll go to an SDR and I'll say, hey, what's an important account you're working right now? And they'll tell me the name of the account. And a lot of times they're struggling to get an audience with a senior level executive there. And so I'll go, okay, here's the deal. Go low, go low and run an analysis of their organization. Interview four of their sales reps, two of their SDRs, two of their frontline managers. You know the questions to ask, go ask those questions. Come back with a hypothesis of how we can add value to that business based on the analysis that you've run. And then let's craft an email together and send it to their executives. Because imagine, Henry, someone came to you and they said, hey, I'm just a sales guy, but I've talked to four of your AEs in mid-market, two of your enterprise reps, 
three of your SDRs and two of your frontline managers. And I've identified three areas I think can improve your business. Would you be open to having a short conversation to hear those? It's almost impossible for you to say no at that point, right? So we've been playing that game and it's been really good because now it helps the SDR see what moves an executive. What do they care about? What's on their radar, right? So that's one I love to do. The other one I love to do is, you know, we've got automation rules in SalesLoft and it's basically if this, then that for anything that you put in the system. So I've got this rule where any rep opens an opportunity stage two above a certain deal size and it triggers an email direct from me as the CEO into the inbox of not the customer, but of the rep themselves. And in that email, it says, you know, subject line, I'd like to meet, insert account name. Hey, rep name, I saw you open an opportunity here. I'd like to follow along. I'd love to be brought in to just introduce myself, talk about the vision and hear their goals. I don't even know that that's going on, but I see this email from the rep, I get CC'd with the prospect and I'm able to jump right in. So it's almost like teeing me up for that interaction. And then I also do it on post sales as well. If I haven't already connected with that customer, I'll get connected with them on post sales, even for smaller deal sizes, because I've got an OKR to interact with 90% of our customers above a certain deal size. So those are some of the things that we're doing here. The thing that I'll say also about the smaller companies is, and everybody is, but I have a special affinity to the smaller customers who are taking a big bet on our service. Like it's not an inexpensive product that we sell. And so they are betting usually their own money. And a lot of times sort of their careers and the future of what's going to happen for the next payrolls on the line. Yeah. Payrolls on the line. And so I have a huge respect for that segment of the market. And I think sort of what's incumbent on us as CEOs is that we set up our organizations to really enable those customers. If we're going to sell to them, we need to be able to enable our teams to make them successful. And it's really interesting in our company where we work with one and two people companies all the way up to Fortune 50 companies because the level of sophistication at the SMB is so much different than the level of sophistication at the enterprise. Specializing people around those different size companies and industries is really important because you know there isn't a place in our customer universe that we don't want incredible success to happen. We just have to get it done in different ways. I love it, man. Always a blast to talk to you. Really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Awesome insights on scaling a sales organization. And I know the audience is going to get tons of valuable tips here. I'll jump back in because I've been lurking, which has been awesome. For the first time in doing one of these, I get to really do a few key takeaways. I got five of them. The first is the best way to maximize the show up rate is to set meetings to go off within 24 hours. You know, love that. So often people focus on, you know, that five minute or whatever it is response time. And then they forget about the blocking and tackling that has to happen afterwards to get the meeting to actually go off. So I thought that was great. Totally agree with you on point two, which is you got to look for cognitive ability when you hire. And there's great academic science to support that. You mentioned Omnia, but there's a bunch of other equally great cognitive tests out there like the CCAT and the Wonderlick. Those are also fantastic. My third of the five takeaways, if you sell to the mid-market, don't have the arrogance to assume that you know how to sell to the enterprise and you really need to bring in external talent to do that. I also loved your SWAT SDR concept that you take SDRs and dedicate them to what I would call passive inbound, people who are on your site, but they have not raised their hand for demos or contact us. That's actually an experiment I'm going to go off and try pretty much right after we uh, get off the phone here. And then last but not least, I love both of your guys' thoughts on the C-level, but I'm going to pull Kyle's idea here, which is if you want to engage the C-level, go in low, run an analysis of the prospect's business, and then use that 
analysis as context for exec to exec interaction. To both of you, thank you so much. That was fantastic. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.